Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Melody Makers. Today, I'm interviewing an amazing musician and composer, Blair Borland. He's a composer on games like Apex Legends, Watch Dogs Legions, and a few more. He's also done some soundtracks for independent movies. He also uploads a lot of music on his own YouTube channel. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, there's not much that I have to add uh, other uh, b beyond what you said, but uh, I'm Blair and uh, I, I love making music. Um, I also did just write a, a bunch of music for a new game coming out called uh, Multiverses. Uh, which is really cool. It's like a, a Warner Brothers thing. So I'm, I'm yeah, really excited. Yeah, I saw that on your website. Well. Yeah, it's it's super cool. And I, I fulfilled a lifelong dream of mine where I got to write theme music for the Teen Titans, which is just like, I, I'm freaking out about it. I, I just love it so much. I, I bet that's a lot of people's dreams. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Teen Titans are so good. If if it is anybody else's dream, first of all, I'm sorry for stealing it from you. And, <laughs> and second of all, yes, it's it's a good dream to have, I think. It's so much fun. I'm just going to get right into the questions. Right. How, how did you get started with your career? Did you ever take any lessons or are you mostly self-taught? Oh, that's a good question. So I, I'm kind of a weird mix of, of self-taught. Um, I, I care a lot about um, always, always learning. Um, and so that learning might come into uh, uh, come into fruition through YouTube videos um, or it, it may it may come through, uh, you know, I did a couple classes with with a, a guy who teaches at USC. Um, I did some lessons with a guy named Ira Hershen who um who was uh Lalo Schifrin's orchestrator in case you don't know who who or I guess Lalo Lalo Schifrin he's a he's the guy who wrote bump bump ba da dum dum da da oh, wow. you know the mission impossible theme right and uh yeah. and so yeah i mean my my whole life's thing has been i want to learn you know i i i i love composing because it is just this endless pit of knowledge that you can dive into and um, and I was really attracted to it because of that. And so, yeah, I'm always constantly learning. Um, I will, you know, I will hire people to be my teachers all the time. Um, but I'll also just go off and spend eight hours on YouTube, just like learning, 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 learning. Um, so, I, you know, I think if you if this is the kind of thing you want to do for a living, then just committing to always learning, no matter if somebody else is teaching you or, or if you're teaching yourself or, uh, you know, if you're just doing a ton of, of YouTube or, or whatever, um, you, you can definitely do it. But to, I guess, go back to your sort of first question is, how did I get my start? Um, well, I mean, I, there, there's a lot of different ways I can answer that question. I can say I, I did, I started playing piano and I got piano lessons when I was like five years old. Um, and, and then piano progressed to guitar when I was about like nine or 10, I told my mom, I didn't ever want to play piano again. Um, and I, and, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so instead of, you know, I did guitar, which I really, I loved and, and I got very good at guitar at a very, very early age, uh, to the point where, um, I'm, I'm 32 years old now. And when I was 13, I was touring with bands who are, who were my age now <laughs> and, so, and which it was really fun and I had a great time. And so basically, you know, 10 years or so passed. I didn't know what I wanted to do with music. Um, but when I was in high school, I watched like one or two movies a day. 
Um, and so, you know, obviously it, it should have been, it should have been blatantly clear to me what I should do for a living. Um, but, you know, while I, I loved composing, I just didn't think it was a realistic thing, you know, for me. I didn't think that it was something that I would be able to actually get to do. And so more or less a bunch of time passed. I, uh, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was honestly a little depressed. And uh, around the time I was 25, my wife uh, suggested that I should... I should apply to um, Berkeley Valencia, uh, which is, you know, it's it's uh, Berkeley College College of Music's. It's their um, their master's program, and they have it over in Spain. And so mm. I I decided to apply for that, and wow. um and I applied late for the late deadline, and uh, I I remember it was like April fifteenth I had applied or something, and 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 their late deadline was was April fifth. And uh, there was like one or two spots left in the program, and I got one of them. And uh, and I was just like, I was overjoyed. I was so happy. And um, and so yeah, that that kind of brought about a big change in my life of what I thought I might do for a living. Um, and uh, and you know, a, a very long story, very short is that is that I while I was in my program at Berkeley, I ended up starting chatting with, uh, with Stephen Barton, who's the, who's the head composer of Apex Legends and, um, and Jedi Fallen Order. And, um, and he just finished season three of, of, uh, Star Trek Picard. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I ended up chatting with him and I ended up getting a job and, excuse me, and basically, I ended up uh, the, my first job in in Hollywood um, at like 20, 27 years old, I think I was when I started, um, which is uh, honestly actually later in That's life great. than a lot of people start trying to compose. Um, but uh, but, you know, I, my first job was writing for Apex Legends, which has like 80 million players or something like that. And so I really like it's a, it's a combination of yeah, I, I had some hard work. I got. I got help from friends and family and um and you know and I've I've worked really hard to try and just make the best sounding music that I know how to make. So, yes, sorry, that's a that's about an hour long question to <laughs> or an answer to your question. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah. It was a great answer. That's a crazy first job, by the way, to be able it to really work on. It really is. I mean, most like people are are like their first job is making fourteen dollars an hour. You know, working as an intern for yeah, for mine. <laughs> for like Hans Zimmer somewhere. You know what I mean? So it's like I really did luck out, and I I think that you you can't uh, you can't like take credit for every single thing you've ever done. I I think I'm good at music, but but I've also had some lucky breaks, and I'm really really thankful for those. Well, going back to your previous response, I think it's really freeing to have a mindset yeah. of always wanting to learn because not even with music, it can improve your yeah, entire absolutely. life in general. Oh, I completely agree with that. Do you have any sort of tips for anyone who wants to, I guess, enhance their vision yeah. and be able to get yeah, better absolutely. at learning? I think... Um... Uh, so I, I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Peele or not, but he's the guy, he, first of all, he's, he's one of the guys on Key and Peele, um, which if you haven't watched those skits, they're hilarious. Um, and, uh, second, he wrote, uh, he wrote the films, you know, Get Out, uh, Us, and, um, and, uh, is it Gone? What, 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 what is the last one that just came out? I can't remember now. Um, Nope. It's called Nope. <laughs> 
There we go. Um, there we go. So, they, so he's a really phenomenal director. And his, his advice, basically, when asked the exact same yeah. question, was follow the fun. Right. So it's like, follow what you feel passionate about. I think, I think we, uh, you know, composers are, are, are a weird bunch where we're kind of like, we're the people who are a little bit too businessy to try and make it as pop stars, um, but a little bit too creative to make it as bankers. And, uh, and, you know, and I think that Mm. like, if you're going to have a creative lifestyle like this, then, um, I think one of the best things that you can do for yourself is figure out what you're really passionate about um, and just and just learn about it. Like, you know, learn as much as you can about what you feel passionate about. And um, that's what that's what I've done. I've been, you know, passionate about about good, good mock ups, you know, good digital recreations of, of the orchestra. And because of that, I've gotten really good at it and I've gotten kind of a reputation for being good at it. And um, I've done I've done nothing uh, really special. I've worked hard, but I've done nothing really special. Maybe except for when I feel when I feel passionate about something, I learn about it like crazy. So that that's my advice: is like figure out what you feel passionate <laughs> about, feel figure out what feels fun for you, and then just go after it like crazy. Yeah, it's sort of like this old saying I heard. There, there were these monks that would talk about the best way to study something is to remove all distractions, get good sleep, and eat well, totally. and just focus totally. solely on that one thing. Uh, that's a that's a great idea. I'm I'm gonna do that exact same thing. At least I'm trying to right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty hard in today's society, but I think you can you can do specific yeah, things. Yeah, no, make I it completely agree, and that and that like towards i mean one of the one of the big goals of my career is to is to be somebody working uh, in and around the hollywood scene but also be a really healthy person and that's a that's a really difficult balance to have is like you know people are like hey i want you to write 20 minutes of of apex legends music by next tuesday and it's like i have to do that and i also you know i also <laughs> have to try and be a healthy person who's not like actively a jerk towards my wife you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> like and so that's a, that's a good balance that's a good thing to want to have for sure if you could change one thing about starting your career what would you change oh that is such a good question um i i like i like to believe that like like things are for a reason and and therefore you know like oh there's not a lot of stuff that i would change but i i think if there's if there is like anything that I would change, I would, I would be less scared. I, and I know that that sounds weird because it's like, mm. because it's like, well, you know, fear is a feeling. You can't particularly control your feelings. But I, I think that like, I would try my very best to change my mindset into like, like you can get where you're trying to go um, with, with, good hard work um and and just you know and like persistence and that's what i've found is that like you know i've i've messaged certain composers um who i want to work with an embarrassing amount of times um and uh and i just really (laughs) i and i've tried to be nice you know so i haven't been like you know answer me or i'll kill your family Um, (laughs) like i but it's more like it's more like, hey, I'm really, I'm really interested in your work. I love what you're doing. Um, I'd be so interested in in working together at some point or something like that. And and um, 
I've I think more often than not, you'll receive a good response by asking that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. More often than not, what you're going to re receive in response is silence. Mm. Um, and that's okay. You know, I mean, if you're if you're reaching out to Hans Zimmer, for example, um, you know, there's probably a one in a thousand chance that he's going to get back to you. Um, and that's fine. He's a busy guy. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But but um, you know, I think that I think that I was just so scared that that my music was garbage or that people weren't gonna like mm. me. And if if I could change anything, it actually wouldn't be anything specific about how I came up into the business. But it would be more that um, I'd want to have a little bit more confidence and and just have that inner confidence that's like. It's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe what I made today is not the best thing I've ever heard ever. Um, but if I keep working, I'm gonna get there. You know, if I keep putting, if I keep putting effort into my craft, I'm gonna figure this out. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that I was in a lot of ways just so kind of dominated by things that I was scared of, you know. And 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 I and I think that I wish that I could, I wish that I could change that. And I, I'm I'm getting there in my in my career now, where I'm like. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more led by, by confidence and, and hopefully humility too, but, uh, but definitely kind of confidence that says, you know what, I can get where I'm trying to go. Um, and, and it's okay if people don't like me, it's okay if, if somebody doesn't think that I wrote the best bit of music of all time or whatever it is. Um, but just, just have that kind of inner confidence that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do really well. Because I'm aiming to do really well and kind of having faith in myself to be able to do that. Uh, that's probably what I would change. If anything, at the end of the day, you're really doing this for yourself. So try oh. too hard not to focus on everyone else. Well, you know, and I'd actually I'd actually even come at it just ever so slightly different where I would say that um, that. I'm I'm not doing this for myself. I mean, obviously, so there there is a way. So let's look at this in two ways. One, it's a, uh, what I'm doing is a little bit selfish because it's like I get to make music for a living. I get to like sit in front of my computer and dink around all day. You know, like <laughs> that's that's super fun. And I'm not going to pretend like it isn't. Um, yeah. But I also think that somebody who's ultimately going to succeed as a composer is somebody who realizes that what they do is ultimately for the enjoyment of someone else. Right. Mm. And so so what I write, um, if what I write is any good, it's only good because it's touched the people who have heard it. And so if I write something all day long that that makes me happy, but makes nobody else happy, then nobody's going to hire <laughs> me. You know, nobody cares to hear that music. But, you know, yeah. like John Williams, for example, it's, there's a reason that his music touches millions of people. Um, and I and I think that that's because he's writing with them in mind and not just himself. Uh, and so I want to, I want to go into this with a mindset of I'm writing for the joy of others. Like I'm writing so that other people can hear and listen to and experience what I'm doing and in response have feelings of, of joy because of that. And also when I think like that, um, there is a, there's a bit of pressure that gets relieved off of me. Like, like, oh, it, you know, I can have that inner confidence because ultimately at the end of the day, it's not about me being the absolute best composer who ever walked the earth and no one will ever top me. It's not about being that. It's about, it's about simple joy. It's about, I want to write music that moves people. I want to write uh, music that is for their good, if, if that makes sense, not just for my own. Yeah, yeah. 
It definitely does. I think that's really eye-opening for me because I think since I've started making music, I've struggled with the balance between making music that I enjoy and making music that other people enjoy. Yeah, that's a hard balance for sure. And, and I think it should definitely be both. I, I think that you you shouldn't make things that you're like, I absolutely hate this, you know, but, but <laughs> you know, like at the same time, I am really trying to think about the experience that other people are having when they're listening to my music, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's, yeah, it's all about the balance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is your creative process like? Um, you know, it, that it depends greatly on like how much time I'm given for a project. Um, you know, so for example, like um last January, I wrote uh I I wrote the the lion's bulk of the material for uh for Apex Legends season 16. And that was like a crazy mad rush. So it was like um, you know, Stephen Barton called me on a Monday and he was like was like i need two seven minute suites of music from you um and i and i need them by next tuesday and so i had eight days to write 14 minutes of music and um oh my gosh it was a lot and so you can imagine that like if i've got if i've got four months to work on a feature length film then my process is going to be a lot different in that regard than if i than if i have 14 minutes of music to do in eight days you know um, yeah. and so what my process was for that is first I got to know my reference material really well, kind of what the, what, what EA was looking for. Respawn is the company who does Apex Legends. And, um, I got to know what is the production behind that kind of music and, um, and what, you know, what do I need to learn in order to do this? And that was like my first day is almost like prepping. And so, you know, I mean, it, that sounds crazy. It's like, what is, what is the first thing you do? Well, I burn an entire day on research. Um, but that that's in line with almost everything that I do is the first step of my process is is research, 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 research in just getting to know the kind of music that I'm making. Um, and so what kind of ahead. resources do you use when um, you research YouTube? Honestly, so much YouTube, YouTube and Google. Um, <laughs> and it's I mean, really, what what my research is, is it's not like scholarly research where I'm looking up books and I'm. it's really that. My, my research is listening to music. And so, you know, for example, this this last Apex Legends thing that I did, it was, uh, you know, it's like a reggaeton thing, which is like a, like an E, uh, 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 like a, his, uh, what, sorry, uh, like a uh, Hispanic, like EDM kind of thing, rap, hip hop, that sort of thing. And, um, and uh, so basically I spent a day, um, I, I, I'd put it at like four to eight hours um, listening to that, music. just listening, yeah, just listening to that kind of music and saying, okay, like, what, what are the, what are the kick drums doing? Like, how do they, you know, how do they, um, like, how are they compressing their kicks? How are they? And I, I'm just really listening to that kind of thing and, and saying, like, what is the, what is the, the balance of the levels? Um, what are the types of different instruments that that are, you know, f- occupying the space? You know, I, I look at it like this. It's like I, if you're making a if you're making a chocolate chip cookie and somebody says to you, you know, make the best chocolate chip cookie in the world. I'm probably going to go out and taste a few good chocolate chip cookies yeah. first. Right. Um, and so and, and I because then you have something to base. Exactly. Off of. Exactly. And then I, I also know that if I'm putting um because I've tasted a bunch of chocolate chip cookies, I know that if I'm putting cumin in my chocolate chip cookies, I'm probably doing something wrong. And 
So <laughs> this is, it's just a way for me to get to know what the ingredients are of whatever I'm making. You know, is it a John Williams thing? And therefore, you know, therefore I'm using classic orchestration and I'm using, um, you know, I'm using like, uh, you know, diatonic uh, melody and I'm, and I'm using, uh, I'm writing modally and I'm using chromatic medians for modulate, blah, 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 like all of this stuff, right? And so I'm listening to these kinds of music and I'm saying, what exactly do I need um, in order to recreate this in a way that works. And so that is true of all of my processes, no matter how much time I have. Um, but if I have enough time, so if it's not a, we need 14 minutes of music in, in eight days kind of thing, um, then what I'm gonna do is I'm going to spend the very first big bulk of my time like writing a main idea that I'm super passionate about. Um, and that could be a melody, right? That could be a, you know, I mean, I liken it to something like bum ba dum ba bum ba da you know, like something like Indiana Jones, where it's like John Williams starts out and he's got this main idea that he's doing. And, and I would liken it to that, that if I have time on a project, the very first thing that I'm jumping into a ton is just that first idea. It, is it is it sound design or is it a melody or is it a particular chord progression? But I want something that I can get super passionate about and not get sick of if I'm about to spend a couple months working on it, you know. And so and and if I'm not getting sick of it, then hopefully the 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 audience isn't either. And so yeah, that's what my process would look like: is a lot of research, a lot of work up front. Um, and if I do that good work up front, then hopefully everything that follows that is just a lot of fun in, in actually completing that work. Do you use any specific softwares while you listen to music to analyze um, it? No, all? not really. I mean, um, when I, when I use a project, uh, when I use a specific piece of music or reference or, um, yeah, for like reference, then I might... I might drop that piece of music directly into my DAW. I use Logic Pro. And um, and so I might drop it directly into my DAW so that I can kind of like switch back and forth and listen to that reference um, very easily as I'm creating my piece of music. So if it's a John Williams thing, I can make my thing and then I can listen to it real quick so that I can be like, oh, oh, my my trombones are like are way too muddy. I need to I need to, you know, fix the voicings on those or et cetera, you know, something like that. And so but I mean, beyond that, I'm really it's it's YouTube and I, you know, I do Apple Music. So, yeah, that's that's basically it for me. Nothing spectacular other than I just listen really closely and really intently. Nice. Yeah. How do you go about transcribing music? Um, I mean, really, not to sound like a broken record, but but again, just like listening like crazy. Do you write it down on sheet music, or do you often just do MIDI? I often will just do MIDI, um, and that's just because I I live in a very digital realm where everything that I write ultimately will end up going through the MIDI because I need to get it approved by... Uh, you know, the producer of the film or the director of the film or mm. the, um, the audio director of the game uh, that I'm working on. And so when I complete a project, when I complete writing the music, it needs to sound like perfect already before I yeah. even record orchestra for it or anything. Because um, what, what you'll notice, um, you know, I just recently got hired 
by uh, by an Oscar-winning composer, which I'm really, really, it's been really cool. That's and awesome. What he what he was telling me, um, and what he and I were discussing really is that bad demos equals cues getting rejected, um, even when they're when it's good music. Wow. And so basically, you know, and that's not that's not even particularly the director or the producer's fault or anything. They're just listening to the music and they're like, mm, something sounds wrong. And then they <laughs> start trying to fix it, <laughs> even though they have no idea <laughs> what to do to fix it. And yeah. so when you when you make a mock up, when you make a demo of music that sounds really good and then you're able to uh, send that to the producer then um, then basically uh, you can get cues approved very easily because it already sounds basically like it's going to sound after the orchestra is recorded. And that that's why you make a really great sounding mock-up is, is to ease the process for everybody. And so, yeah, I, when, I'm, when I'm transcribing, what I will do is I will, I, I will just kind of turn on my bat ears um, and I will, I will listen to a couple seconds of the music and I'll be like, all right, the the horns are playing like a split major chord. Um, you know, like uh, it would be like a one, a, a first, a fifth and a tenth, you know, like G, uh, sorry, C, G, E. Um, and I'm like, OK, the 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 horns uh, and the trombones maybe are doing that. Um, and then I'm listening into the the violins and the violins are going. OK, I've got that. Um, and I mean, I really. I, I just try and zone in and and just hone my ability to listen incredibly closely, um, and and that it's a it's a fun challenge. It's hard to do, um, but it's it's really fun when you can kind of get into it and you can you can hear things in music that that maybe nobody else is really hearing except for you because you're just like you know basically just a nerd who's <laughs> who's just listening really really closely to everything. <laughs> That's how I feel whenever I listen to my favorite music. Oh, totally. Yeah, you're like telling everybody, oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And they're like, yeah. they're like no, no, I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> when you transcribe, do you focus on individual instruments? That's a good question. I think I focus on, just like I do when I compose, I focus on sections. Um, generally speaking... Um, two violins in your first violin section are not doing different things. Um, and also generally speaking, and this is a big generality, you know, your first violins and your second violins aren't doing something that's massively different from each other. Um, and so what I tend to think of writing for orchestra as, and this goes for my listening process as well, um, is uh, basically... Uh, each section of the orchestra is like one instrument. So the strings would be like, um, you know, would be like your keys in a in a rock band, right? Your your brass would be like a chugging electric guitar in the rock band. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to think of this. You know, your your woodwinds might be your synth that you've got. Um, and so now, is that a perfect analogy? No, it's not. But I like to think of the different sections of the orchestra, each as one instrument, and I like to write for them like that. So if I want really big chords, then the, you know, the brass is going to get the really big chords 
while my strings are doing the melody or something like that. Like a like a singer would do the melody and the and the keys would do chords behind the singer. Um, and what I generally find is when I'm transcribing, for the most part, this again, it's a generality. Um, it's a generalization, I think I should say. Um, but uh, but when I'm listening and transcribing, things tend to follow those rules. Is they tend to follow the rules of a specific, uh, you know, a section of the orchestra is going to be doing a particular job. So I, what I do when I'm transcribing is I just listen for what are the jobs that I hear being done, and maybe one of them is being done by a synth or a or a drum kit or something like that. But I kind of listen to what are the ingredients here, and then I listen for what is the instrument that is accomplishing that? Or if it's a, a synth, then what kind of sound is that synth making in order to accomplish that task? And those, that's kind of my thought process with, with transcribing. What are your favorite YouTube channels to learn about transcribing um, techniques? Transcribing? Um, I, I don't know. That was kind of more just something that I that I picked up. But my, my, my favorite composing... YouTube channels are um, Ashton Gleckman. He's great. Um, Anne Catherine Dern. She's great. Uh, Daniel Beigebaum. Uh, he does some really phenomenal mock-ups. Uh, uh, the way that I mock up my brass is a very much, uh, very much kind of like his style, which is uh, very good. Um, and, um, and Blackus, Blake Robinson. Um, and uh, he has probably the best mock-up I've ever heard, which is a, a Star Wars piece, um, he, the main the main theme of Star Wars. So yeah, if you're interested in in composing in general, but also Ashton Gleckman does a ton of transcription stuff. So definitely definitely uh, you know watch his channel for that. Um, but if you're interested in, in learning about composing at all, those four channels are a great place to start. I think it's brilliant just how how many resources there are online for completely no price at all. Absolutely. Honestly, I've probably done the equivalent of a PhD just in watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever collaborate with anyone on a project? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I think um I think I there's a lot of reasons to collaborate. One one reason to collaborate um, in kind of like the the video game or TV movie scene is just because there's so much work to do. Um, so I mean, there's a, there's definitely times where I've been hired on on projects to um, to write a bunch of additional music. So that's one way of collaborating, where somebody gives me credit, um, but it's not the main composer credit in order to write a couple of minutes of music or 20 minutes of music or whatever for a particular project. Um, and, uh, and I would do, I mean, I, I'll do the same thing when I'm in the position of like doing big movies and stuff. I want to make sure that I'm always doing that in a way that is fair to the people who are working with me and collaborating with me, um, who might not have the lead composer credit. Um, uh, but at the same time, I think it's a great way to to give new and upcoming composers a chance. Um, and then the second way of of collaborating is just is just for fun, um, because, you know, you've stumbled across somebody who's like, oh, wow, they're really good. And I'd love to write something with them. Um, and absolutely, I'd be I'd be up for that as well. I think there's a I probably have a list of five or ten composers just in my head who I'm like, oh, they'd be really fun to write something with at some point. Um and so, yeah, I think the, the answer is absolutely yes. That sounds fun.
What do you think your reaction would be if you could collaborate with Hans Zimmer or John Williams? <laughs> uh, I think complete and utter terror would probably be my first <laughs> my first reaction. <laughs> Just a bit of a, a panic attack. Um, but, but I think, you know, I, I, after, after that, you know, panic subsided, I think I would just, like I was talking uh, to you about earlier is like lean into that confidence of just like, you know what, like if we, if we just think about the story that we're telling, what the audience is going to hear, how they're going to enjoy it, uh, it's going to go just fine. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, if I, if I were to collaborate with Hans Zimmer or John Williams, then I would, I would bring whatever I could to the table. Um, which is, I, I really care that the, that the audience has a great time while listening to the music and, uh, and I can have those, uh, I can have that, uh, kind of attitude coming into it. And I also, I'm not, um, I'm not completely, uh, knowledgeable about the, about lots of different parts of composing. So I would bring in whatever I could in that regard. And then I would also just ask them so many questions that it would just annoy the pants off of them. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah, just just learn everything that I could possibly learn. And I think I've been, I've been treating my, my composing like a, like a practice, you know, like I just, no matter what I'm doing, I'm always practicing and I'm always learning. So I would try and approach it like that. Um, you know, God only knows if they'd appreciate that I approached it like that, but, <laughs> but that's, that's how I always <laughs> tend to approach it. It's like, there's just another opportunity to, to learn something cool. It's kind of like being a sponge. You kind of just absorb totally. all this knowledge. And I, I think, you know, this is this is just a personal pet peeve of mine, but I think people always say, and there's, there's probably truth to it for sure, but, you know, they always say like, oh, you know, when you're when you're a child, um, you know, you just soak things up and you learn, and then when you become an adult, you just, you don't learn nearly as well anymore. And I, I personally think that that's ridiculous. I, I think that, I think that, like there's just an open mindedness that comes with with learning about the world and I think I don't think we get any worse at learning when we when we grow up. I think that we get more closed-minded. Um I think that we that we kind of close ourselves off to learning about different things and if you're an orchestra guy, you close yourself off to learning about synths. And if you're a synth guy, you close yourself off to learning about the orchestra. And you know what? It's all good. It's all really really good stuff. And so, I, yeah, I just want to have that mindset that it's like, that's like, you can be a sponge until you're 904 if you get the opportunity to live that long. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I, I'm not going to let anybody tell me different. It's like we have this deep-rooted fear of facing yes. new things that it stops us from oh creating entirely. Oh my gosh, yes, entirely. you are 100% right. And, and I think about that so often that, like, learning a new thing is hard just because we're we tend to be scared not because we're any worse at learning a new thing and it's just when you're a when you're a child you have to learn new things in order to survive you have to learn language you have to learn you know you have to learn what they're teaching you in school to at least to a certain degree um you have to learn to get along with other people you have to learn to exist in the same space with your parents so of course you're going to be a sponge because you're doing it kind of to survive um but now it's like now it's like, can you just keep yourself open like that? And can you kind of have enough, I don't know, for lack of a better word, enough wisdom to just be like, to say, I'm scared, but I don't have to be scared because learning new things is really cool. So, you know, like, let's not be scared of things like AI. Let's not be scared of the business changing. Let's not be scared of, of things. Let's not be scared of things that we have no reason to be scared of. 
let's just be curious and open-minded and, and learn as much as we can. That's kind of, so anyway, I, I love how you said that because I think that that's perfect. Whenever I feel like I'm giving up on something, I sort of just remind myself why I'm doing this and why it'll change my life for better. Do you do that? I really like that. Um, do I do that? I think, I think why well, I, I almost have a couple answers. I think my my first answer is that, um, what uh what I do, um, you know, somebody might call me and they might say, "Hey Blair, I need X amount of minutes of music by next next Friday." And I really don't have time to second guess myself. Um, John Williams super wisely said once that um, that being a, a composer for film is a lot more like being a journalist than a, being a novelist. You know, a novelist, you can work for five years on a novel, and as long as it's good at the end of it, then nobody cares how long you worked on it, right? You just, you have your time to get it done. But when you're a journalist, your boss says, hey, um, I need 500 words by tomorrow on, you know, whatever the president just did or something like that. And it's just it, no questions asked. You just have to write it. You don't have room for fear. Um, the first thing that popped in my mind was J. Jonah Jameson, like yelling at Peter Parker. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it, right? Is it's, like, it's like there's no choice there. You just do it because you have to do it or else you get fired. Um, and so, yes, there is an, an element to that. But then um, I only spend, I'd say, I don't, I only spend probably less than half of my overall time doing things that I'm technically getting paid for. So the other half of my time, um, you know, so the other 175 days a year or so, um, I'm kind of figuring out and I'm playing by ear, like, what, what do I do? Um, and, and I don't know if I remind myself so much that it's gonna, you know, like make, make me better. But I think what I try and do is I try and really work graciously with myself and, um, and help myself get there without putting a lot of pressure on myself that I need to, uh, perform, you know, like perform, perform, perform. You just have to be perfect. You have to, and I try not to do that. But instead, if I feel like I need rest, I try and take a rest. You know, if I feel like I want to watch Mythbusters for an hour, I watch Mythbusters for an hour, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I, and so I actually try and not to say that there's anything wrong with what you're doing whatsoever, but I actually try and avoid like kicking myself into gear. Um, you know, there, like I, I heard once that like there are two methods of, of like, getting a wild horse to do what you want. And one of those methods is called breaking a horse. And then the other method is called gentling a horse. And basically the, the difference in, in those two techniques is about as obvious as the two names is breaking a horse is like, it's like literally almost like abusing it till it does what you want it to do. Uh, and keep in yeah. mind, I don't know anything about, about raising horses. So if you know something about this and, <laughs> and I'm totally wrong, then I apologize, but I still think the metaphor is good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so basically it's like, but for gentling a horse, it's it's like working with it, you know? And and I, I like to think of working with myself and working with others um, with that gentling mindset set um, of, of I'm not trying to force myself into doing things. Rather, I'm trying to, I mean, this may sound like really dumb and kind of cliche, but it's kind of like like flow with the river. 
you know what I mean? And like find where that path is of, of uh, least resistance that I'm going to do the best work that I possibly can. Um, but I'm not like just mega stressing myself out the entire time trying to force myself <laughs> into it. You know what I mean? I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but it's kind of like when you criticize someone, if you do it in a harsher tone, you're more likely to not get a positive feedback percent. rather than it with yes, a positive tone. Absolutely. Is like if you if and, and I think that most people kind of understand that rule, at least on a on a on a sort of base sense. But I think most people don't understand that it probably works the same with yourself is that when I talk to myself yeah. with a really harsh, critical attitude, I actually don't perform as well for myself as I could. But when I when I speak to myself with respect, and when I speak to myself gently, and, um, and you know, give stock to what I'm feeling, as opposed to telling myself that I'm stupid for feeling the way that I feel, or something like that, um, I actually, I mean, surprisingly enough, do a lot better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So it's, it's kind of like, it's sort of the golden rule in reverse, you know, like treat others how you want to be treated. Um, you know, I treat yourself how you want others to treat you, you know? And, and I, and I think that most of the time we, we try and maybe treat, I mean, and maybe not everybody, but we try and treat other people well. And then we just take giant craps on ourselves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or we... It's like this weird distorted way of thinking that everyone struggles with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Do you have any upcoming projects? Yeah, at the moment, um, I, I, I right now I don't feel super comfortable saying yeah, no who it is, just because I don't want to jinx it. But but like I said, like I, I just got a gig with an Oscar-winning composer, um, and uh, and I'm going to be writing um, additional music with him. As well as um, as well as I'm going to be rebuilding his entire like oh, wow. computer system um, for his template, yeah, so that he can so that he can have really phenomenal sounding uh, mockups. So like we were talking about earlier, to make sure that when he when he uh, submits cues that they get that they get um, accepted the first time uh, because they sound great. So I'm doing I'm doing that with with him, and I'm super excited about that as well as. Um, I've got a couple things that I'm really excited about that are kind of, uh, you know, in the in the fire at the moment. Irons in the fire, um, uh, just because I, I just went to L.A. and I had a bunch of phenomenal meetings down there, and so um, and so yeah, I, I, I nothing. Unfortunately, I wish I could tell you everything, <laughs> but nothing that I can say at the moment. But I will say for the multiverses stuff, um, we are going to go to Nashville pretty soon. And uh, and we're gonna record a bunch of orchestra for that in the next I don't know couple of that's months incredible. or whatever. And so wow. yeah, that's that'll be super super fun. So I'm really excited for that one. Well, it sounds like you're gonna be really productive coming up soon. <laughs> I'm hoping so, man. I, the the hardest part of composing is not composing; it's it's getting the work. So, <laughs> so yeah, hope hopefully things stay real busy because I like it that way. What should someone start working on right now if they want to become a composer in the industry? You no, know, it depends on what spot uh, that they are in their career. But let's let's assume. I, I mean, for for um, uh, sake of argument, let's assume that it's somebody like you who's around like eighteen years old, right? And um, yep. and you know has interest in doing this, but you know you haven't like done any big projects or anything. Um, you know, the the advice that I that I give to you um, is probably to just be 
super open-minded for one. There's lots of ways to make it in music, um, to follow the things that you're passionate about. Um, and then, you know, once, once you're kind of honing in at least a little bit, I, I don't want to trip people up on themselves because it's like, it's like telling somebody to pick a major when they're, when they're 14, you know, you're, you're not ready to think about that just yet. So it's like, if I'm like, figure out what you're passionate about and then do that, do that, do that. It's like, you know, I mean, you, you might just be like, well, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to get for lunch tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and so like, I don't want to push it too hard, but I will say as you begin to get a feel for what you are passionate about, um, the best advice I have is to get so good at that, that you just simply cannot be ignored. Um, that you are just so good at what you do that um, that people cannot look at you without saying, damn, that is a talented dude. <laughs> and so, you know, that's that's what I'd say is is like as you start to figure out those things that you're passionate about, practice, 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 practice and try and practice in ways that are fun and, and enjoyable for yourself. Um, but that's that is. I've, like I said, I've had some luck in my career, and I have to admit that. Um, but the things that have happened in my career because of me have happened because I've had that attitude where it's like, man, I just want to get so good that people are like, dang, boy, what are you doing? And uh, and I just want to do that. And I think that's probably the best thing that anybody can do is whatever you want to do in your in your life, you know, just put 110% into it and, and do the best that you possibly can. Well, to me, it looks like I think you're getting pretty close to getting there i'm i'm getting closer man <laughs> i've heard some great things from you thanks so much i appreciate it okay um i think that's gonna end it right so thank you so much for joining me i really appreciated our talk i learned a ton of new things and i'm very grateful yeah man absolutely you were a great guest to have on thanks man i appreciate it you've been a great host thank you yeah i've been working on i've been working on my conversation skills a bit yeah dude honestly it's it's hard i mean this all this stuff is such a i've had to work on my conversational abilities as well it's uh it can be really hard to to have conversation in ways that feel natural and and fun and, yeah yeah and it, you know it good job practicing this is a great way to practice for sure thank you yeah i appreciate it a lot man thank you absolutely you have a good one okay you too. All right.